Hello everyone, I'm Fargal Ban. Thanks for joining me for today's discussion, brought to you by Zurich Insurance. We're here today to talk about what needs to be done to turn climate rhetoric into climate action. 2021 has been a year of bold commitments from international governments, business and global industry, all in the pursuit of targets set in Paris in 2015. Joining me today are two distinguished experts from Zurich Insurance. I'd like to introduce Charlotte Gruth, Global Macroeconomist and Managing Director at Zurich Insurance. Hi, Charlotte. Hi. And bringing a different side of expertise to the discussion is Zurich's Head of Sustainability Risk, John Scott. Hello, John. Hi. So let's start by taking a look at the status quo and how the playing field of 2021 compares to the target set in 2015. So Charlotte, coming to you first, where are we now in 2021? I think, unfortunately, we are we are not yet on track for either a two-degree world, which was actually the goal back in 2015. And what we really saw in 2021 was a number of accelerated 2030 targets by major regions' economies. And they were announced earlier this year. And taken at face value, they would require reducing carbon emissions by around 40% in 2030 compared to 2019 levels. So I suspect that in a year or two, we will know if those targets were just promises or dreams or whether they were for real. And who's leading the charge here, would you say? Are nations, businesses and industry, are, are they sharing the load and the commitments? These pledges really differed across regions because The richest and the wealthiest countries, they need to do more on this than the poorer nations. And I think everyone has accepted that. Absolutely. Of course, the pandemic has had an impact. Do you think we're seeing a green recovery as the world builds back? Or was that just a dip in rising emissions levels? One encouraging sign for me is the climate change awareness. It survived this COVID crisis. And we remember where we were last year. It was a very urgent and the very difficult times. But despite this, climate change awareness survived. And I think that's a very encouraging sign. And I think looking forward, businesses now need to see it, start seeing it as an opportunity rather than just a risk. Yeah, very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about Zurich's climate change scorecard? Maybe give us an overview and what the, the different metrics are trying to cover broadly. So we really wanted to have something where we can measure stuff to use published data in really three different fields where we think we need to see critical progress across all these fields. And one is around policy, particularly carbon prices, uh, regulation, but also things like subsidies to the fossil fuel sector. The other key area is around technology and, and emissions and what's going on there, because clearly we need breakthroughs. We need, need new technology to be able to tackle this challenge. And the last one is more around social trends, which includes both business practice, investment trends, and also news flow around climate change. You mentioned some of the findings there. Were there some surprising positive findings? I think the most positive one was that we actually made a forecast for the scorecard. What would happen given the COVID crisis to the whole climate change transitioning? And we and many other expected actually progress to fall back a bit because focus both among governments, among businesses, was really on surviving the the COVID crisis and getting out of that intact. But what we saw actually was that a lot of the components were very resilient. 
So carbon pricing was one of the ones that actually improved. It's been red, flashing red over the past years. With respect to the 2021 scorecard, what would you say are some of the shortcomings, some of the challenges that still remain in achieving the Paris targets? So I think the real challenge going forward is how do we decouple economic activity from carbon emissions? And of course, and I think John will touch more on this, it's around technology, it's around greening the economies. And maybe another one is around how do we finance this transitioning? We need to scale up everything that has been done over the past few years, which is very impressive. It now has to be scaled up massively and that requires huge inflows of finance. Before we move on with the discussion, we're going to hear from Alison Martin, Zurich CEO for EMEA and Bank Distribution with Executive Responsibility for Sustainability. We caught up with Alison a few days ago to get her thoughts on where we are in 2021 and how the insurance industry can offer vital guidance. I think there's been a lot of good dialogue. I think we've made a lot of progress on that side. However, what we haven't seen enough of is action. But I think it's really important that we walk the talk and we take actions in every single part of our business. If you think of the fact that the insurance industry, we take the exposure risk of extreme weather events, and that's the reason why we're so passionate about saying that something needs to be done. So people actually need to build resilience. People need to adapt to that changing environment. And that's where I think the insurance industry also plays a really important part in helping people, be they individuals, be they corporations, be they governments, in looking at, okay, what's the biggest risks that you're exposed to? And then how can you build resilience to that? And people need to do that now. Now it's time to turn our heads to the future and the steps that need to be taken to kickstart effective change today. And I'm just wondering, What mitigation measures can governments and businesses adopt to both curb environmental damage and adapt business models to a net zero future? What we need to do, especially in the next five to 10 years, is we need to prioritize abatement of emissions using technology or changes in business models so that companies can decarbonize their operations and supply chains. That means a whole range of different technologies applied, some of which are entirely new, And for some companies, it'll mean changing pretty much what they do, but not what they deliver. The task force on scaling the voluntary carbon markets at the moment is doing great work in laying the foundations for that. Absolutely. It seems to be tremendous momentum in the scaling voluntary carbon markets right now. The critical issue is how to ensure that the quality of the projects that underpin the the trading is there. And in some ways, many people are calling for external either regulation or external expert oversight and standards to ensure that happens. Yes, they're working on it as we speak. Can we talk about market insights, John? And what can Zurich's years of experience bring to the table and help us here? You know, insurers in general, not just Zurich, are beginning to take steps to think about how to manage the climate crisis and wider sustainability risks. That is where we can have the greatest levers. And it's those levers like sustainable underwriting, risk management advice for our clients in how they are going to manage the risks that come with transition. Now, earlier you mentioned the role of technology and the importance of new technologies, be it in emission abatement or uh, carbon removal. What are some technologies do you think with the greatest promise, John? Well, there's a wide range of technologies that can help decarbonize. But of course, it requires all sorts of other fundamental technologies to be in place 
to manage the intermittency of supply of renewables. So, for example, smart grids to, to manage both supply and demand, grid-scale storage, and a wide variety of technologies. I should mention a really important technology, which is carbon capture, use, and storage. The challenge in the past has been around cost. I think this changes dramatically with scale. Now, how can a sustainable future be seen as an opportunity as part of a business strategy? It's often been seen more through a risk management lens. Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England, said recently that net zero represents one of the great business opportunities of our age. Do companies see this? What needs to be done? It's all too easy to make big, ambitious statements about how your company or how your country is going to change the world and decarbonize. Because there's no point in changing the world if you make yourself unsuccessful and not able to support the change. You have to do both. There's one really useful and helpful approach here, which is the the so-called Science-Based Targets Initiative. And the recommended approach they take is an excellent way of not only deciding what is the best strategy to decarbonize, but also a methodology to help set interim targets to achieve net zero goals by 2050 within the timeframe of the Paris Agreement. What's at stake for insurers here, John? If you think about the physical changes that come with climate change, you know whether it's prolonged periods or heat or drought, whether it's rising sea levels as land ice melts, whether it's about potential impacts on severe weather And that's quite difficult to understand. And so these are real. And so for us, we have to understand that and build that into our modeling and into our pricing. We really contribute through not only our investing and our underwriting, but also our risk management and our influence with policymakers to make society more resilient. I think we can all agree that the time for action is now. And the longer it takes for the people with the power to mobilize real change, then the harder it will be to make the future safe sustainable and resilient for everyone. So COP26 is coming up now. I'm just wondering from the perspective of the insurance industry, what are your expectations and hopes for COP26? It's absolutely clear to me that climate change will be the biggest driver of change over the coming decade. I think it will be it will define the coming decade. The way we organize our societies, our economies, the way we produce stuff, the way we invest. And I think that we should really start seeing this as an opportunity rather than just a risk. I think it's a good opportunity to agree on the really important policy actions to deliver against the ambitious climate commitments that have been made by countries. The governments can catalyze the private financing of transition projects by taking a share of the risk and investing directly to support both resilience and adaptation projects. Thanks to Charlotta and John for joining me today and giving their analysis and insights. For even more information, you can head to zurich.com forward slash climate change. Any thanks for joining us today.